Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Last week or maybe a few weeks ago, but probably as little as last week, most of us, I'm sure, had very little in common with the world. As a believer, we would have had so much little in common uh, with the world. I would have said I had, the world was doing their thing, talking about their troubles, ideas, passions, problems, uh, what they liked, what they didn't like. And most believers, uh, and most of us as believers, would have been somehow separate for that world uh, and what mattered to them kind of didn't matter to us. Now everyone seems to be in this together. We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat, talking about the same stuff, the same issues, the same worries, everything's to do with the situation and the virus and uh, everybody's in the kind of same boat. Uh, at the moment, it used to be a saying in Alcoholics and Arms, says we all came in different ships, but we're all in the one boat now. And uh, the same issues, the same worries, the same concerns seems to now be the thing that we're all centred in. And one week we have went from separated to all being together of some sorts. We have all things in common. Believers are talking about the coronavirus and the problems and finances, the worries, the concerns, which is understandable. And we're talking about it mostly at the same level as the world's talking about problems. This is something that we have in common. We're we're talking about things at the same level now. We're all at the same level, spending most of the same amount of time thinking about it. Okay, Maybe believers at the moment, maybe they're a little more philosophical somehow about it. Maybe they've got a bit more wisdom at the moment, maybe a bit more balance about how they're talking about the the, the situation and the virus. Uh, But mostly we are united, we are together, we are pulling together, we are all for one and one for all. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm sure you can even hear as I'm talking that there's going to be something coming out off the back of this. there almost is a sarcasm in what I'm saying. Uh, There's order, maybe more than that, the odd idiot, okay, who are, who's selfish, who's no caring for anyone, who's buying all the toilet roll, who has no concern or care for anybody uh, but themselves. There's plenty of that about. But the vast majority of people um, are joined in a common plight to support one another in these unprecedented times that we have never experienced. Uh, unless you're maybe a survivor of the First World War, you're still, no, no one who's alive today has really experienced this kind of thing worldwide. Maybe in pockets of the world, but never at this level. And it looks, know that this looks good. It looks good and pleasing to the eye that we're uniting. It looks like we have found and have embraced a, a newfound care and love for one another. We're all caring and loving for one another. And one week we have almost, one week. It's only took one week for us to have all things in common. And that a miracle. 
One week and now we've got all things in common. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, that's good. Does it know, Pastor Mark? That is how it should be. We need to be more in people's world and serve more and connect more. And the church is, you're hearing it saying, it's a huge opportunity for the church and believers to show love. And yes, it is. It's also going to become a huge battle, huge battle to maintain difference. In one week, you can hardly tell the difference between most Christians and non-Christians. I don't know what it's going to be like in two weeks or three weeks. In one week, we're all morphing into humanity. And one week, ask yourself, are you thinking more like a believer? One week. Are you studying more like a believer? We're not talking about studying viruses. Are you studying more like a believer? Are you spending the same amount of time reading God's word? Did your conversations <coughs> more God-centered than the word? And you might be saying, no, but, um, <coughs> but there's something else happening. There's a kindness. There's a patience. I'm caring much more. I'm connecting with the world much more. And I know much of the church will be so focused in meeting needs and yeah, there's a positive in that. I'm not here to decry that. And they will have all sorts of creative ideas. You ain't seen creativity like you're going to see in the next couple of weeks from the church about how, what they're going to do and things. And you've got to go, this is amazing and it's good. And it is to an extent is good. Uh, but, but, although it's not all bad, it's good to take care of our neighbours. Of course it is. But I wonder, even as I look at my own life in the past week and spend time studying the word and look, and then as, especially as I get into, become Friday, I'm thinking, hmm, Having kind of strange conversations with believers now. My goodness, we've got virus experts now. There are no Bible experts, they're virus experts. I'm having strange conversations with believers. I'm having not so much strange conversations, different conversations. And as we're all becoming united as one and one for all, and the unity of the world is amazing. I wonder if we're in danger. And maybe you're thinking, no, at the moment. Not to be a party pooper, it's probably not going to get away in the next week. So this is going to maybe last month. So if in one week you've somehow morphed your identity into the world as a believer, I wonder where your world will be and your identity will be in another month. Uh, would you be able to tell the difference between you as a believer and a non-believer or have we just been hijacked by deeds? Have we been hijacked by just being good and being, you know, I'm caring about my neighbour. What about our difference? It's our difference that sets us apart as believers. Oh, congregation, it's our difference that sets us apart. It's your difference for everybody else. In your workplace, which you may not be there, you may be working from home or wherever, but you can still communicate. It's our difference that sets us apart. It's but we're becoming more worldly-minded in about, what, a week? How much more in common are you going to have with people next week? 
And the problem is that I see in the situation, I know we think, oh, we're looking for some positivity, it's hard enough. Uh, I know how this ends, it, it gets better, it gets more positive. But we can become blinded by a sense of unity and togetherness and common good. I believe that can become blinding. Uh, blinding to your faith, blinding to your beliefs, blinding, blinding to what our message should be as believers. You may be thinking, Pastor Mark, what are you saying? What's wrong with connecting? What's so wrong with caring? There are opportunities to be loving and have camaraderie. There's greater opportunities than ever for us to just unite as people. I heard the other day that they were, you know, you ever hear stuff and it just, you cringe and you just go, I am definitely not going to be part of that. This was one. I heard the other day that they were trying to emulate people standing in their gardens and singing the Flower of Scotland. You know that you know, that thing that just makes you, I nearly went really North Lanarkshire there. You know that thing you just go, please don't. Please, I'm, 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 I'm not even actually going out of the house because I don't want to hear it. And they wanted to kind of start this. It was on the radio, 8 p.m., we're standing in the garden, we're all going to sing the Flower of Scotland to emulate what the Italians did in their balconies, be singing the national anthem. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Wasn't it lovely? Wasn't it beautiful? Sound patronising, didn't it? Wasn't it amazing? They're on their balconies. And in a sense, it was good because it stirs up something in you. What? What does it stir up? It's a question, isn't it? What, what does it stir up? Does it stir up the... Does it stir up to preach the gospel? Because see them in the way to hospital sound to be really, really negative here, right? But see them in the way to hospital in Italy, was it helping them? It's not the national anthem they need. <laughs> it's not the national anthem. We get the camaraderie and we get that it's positive and amongst the negative and it's cheering people up a bit and it's making us all stand for one. Now you're seeing it everywhere. People standing in balconies singing. And it can appeals to us, doesn't it? It appeals to our it can appeals to where the world wants to take the situation and how the world believes it gets healed the situation and gets well through the situation. So but we're going to be singing the flower of Scotland all in our garden just like the Italians did. I ain't helping nobody. I ain't helping nobody. It's, and see for a believer, it may be helping an unbeliever feel a wee bit better, which I suppose during these times it's no all bad. But my appeals to believers, that's no helpful. That is no helpful to your call and your purpose. It's not the flower of Scotland people need. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ they need at this time. And you need to be set apart from that. And we need to be set apart from that. In the next few weeks, what we're going to do is sit in the garden and just sing <laughs> songs together. And people will not know that they're anything different for us. And the stuff can appeal to your senses, can it? Oh, have you seen that video with the, the guy singing opera for his balcony? It's awesome. It's awesome. It feels amazing. And it can make you warm and it can make you feel good and it can make you feel as if that we're somehow combating some together. And even you'll get Christians saying, you know what, God's doing something. He's uniting something. <laughs> oh, he is doing something all right. Uh, But it doesn't keep them who don't know Christ from not going to hell. 
This is the appeal to believers. Doesn't he? No national anthem is going to keep you from not going to hell. When they die, they need more than an anthem. They need the gospel. I can almost hear people as they listen. And this is not the time to preach. This is the time to join together. There's never been a greater time for people who need the gospel. Never been a greater time for people who need the gospel in our lifetime. Are we, are we in the world? Yeah. But we're not of the world, you'll have heard it said. And we need to be very, very aware of the snare. There is a snare of worldly unity that will not only not help people know Christ, but will eventually lead us into sub ob total obscurity as a believer. Churchgoers in the world are no longer churchgoers. So you've got Christian atheists who go to church. Yeah. Many Roman Catholics, they, they chat. I, I liked what I heard the Pope saying, he kinda, he's kind of catching up a wee bit, which I like. He says, uh, many of the, no, the Roman Catholic, because they can't go to chapel because uh, the virus and the situation and uh, social distancing. So they're not going to be able to take communion together. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take your prayers and petitions directly to God. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Pope Francis, you're getting there. If oh, God's got away doing things, who knows? You know, yeah, 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 you're right. We've been doing it for years. It's exactly what you need to do. Take all your prayers and petitions to God directly. Uh, we're in the world, but no of the world, and, and we need to be very aware of the sneer of worldly unity. Have any of you thought of that? Have any of you thought about the sneer of worldly unity? I don't know. Maybe you have, but uh, I, I certainly hadn't all week. <laughs> no, uh, I, I hadn't. I hadn't thought of the snare of worldly unity. I thought of the opportunity of worldly unity. But as then I spend more time in the Word and more time praying and more time seeking God, then I can see it. Uh, in the world, you don't really see it because it's there's like, and amongst the, the madness and the hysteria, there's a a good feeling amongst people are being nice to each other but is it helping people know Christ well uh, I think it's overall no maybe we think it will because <laughs> you know I just think of something there in the scripture that says if your father if, 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 if your earthly father offers you a piece of bread you give him a piece of bread how much more will your heavenly father give you to them who ask we can all give loaves of bread we can all no share toilet roll we can all give people our toilet roll that we wanted we can all do that what is a believer are we called to do that's separate for that we need more than ever then to put on christ who in the next week will be able to tell the difference between you and a person who's nice Will you be able to tell the difference between you as a believer next week and somebody who is nice, somebody who is kind, somebody who is charitable, somebody who is able to empathise with people? Would you be able to tell the difference? If that's all we do, it won't be long 
before it's all we are. I'll say that again. If, if that's all, all we do as believers, if that's all we do, it won't be long before it's all we are. Which brings me to my message. That was my introduction. That was just my introduction there. Which brings us to the message title. The message title is Salt of the Earth and Light of the World. We have been in the Gospel of John for 18 months as a church. And John 13 we're in, which I could have went to because it's talking about uh, loving your neighbour and loving one another and Jesus departing and Peter's idea as you get to the end of John 13 that he was better than what he was that he would never deny Christ but he was no near, near as good as he thought he was <laughs> and none of them were because they all said they would do it if you read the other synoptics in the Gospels none of them would ever deny Christ yet they all did every one of them every single one of them thought that they thought they were a they were a, a stronger believer than what they were and had the deeper faith in what they are. So I could have definitely ended John 13 where we've been as a church, but based on the events, I thought it was more important to kind of maybe drill into this and we may get in next week into that. Who knows where we'll be. So salt of the earth and light of the world. Turn with me if you got a Bible and, and sitting in your home or you're sharing one to Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, oh, you need to flick through it. You can't just look at the screens this morning. Uh, Matthew 5 should be easily fine. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew 5. And um, we're going to read from verse 13 to 16. Uh, a wee bit of context. Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount here, the greatest sermon ever preached. The greatest preach in the history of my mankind. You ever heard a good preach? This is the preach the end all preaches. The Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount takes us through this cataloging step-by-step -step process to salvation. Blessed are those who mourn. And, uh, and then it goes on and on and on. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then as it goes on through the process, through salvation to sanctification, then to glorification, and through this whole process, as we get to verse 12, 11, 12, it starts talking about persecution that believers will face because they're separate from the world that they'll start to face persecution. And then Jesus, by then verse 13, he takes a twist uh, in the scripture and starts to, can uh, I go more personal? He's addressing believers, but predominantly he starts to address the disciples. So he's took us through a whole process. And if you don't know this, that no, the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount is a process, every process about salvation. Uh, and then sanctification to glorification. It's a whole step-by-step -step process. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. And then he goes into this part of kind of almost instruction to now those who are saved and believe who we are and what we're meant to be and what our purpose in the world is. And it says this, uh, uh, which starts, uh, I run through that, but by verse 13, let me just get to you. I'm going to head myself here. Uh, he starts telling them their purpose. So here's Matthew 13, 5, 13, 16. I'm going to read it, then we'll break it down. There's only four verses, so even by my standard, I should be able to get through that pretty quick. Uh, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled 
underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen to God's word. Uh, let me get back through these verses together and pull out some what I believe are, are vitals. But at this point, I think they're more vital than ever for us to remember what our purpose is here on earth regardless of the situation and the circumstances in which we may see ourselves in. Uh, verse 13, okay, so let's just, we'll just get through this. If this is the first time you've been with us, this is often what we do. We'll read the scripture, then we'll go back through line by line through the word and, and draw what it means, the, the, the importance of uh, expounding God's word. Uh, it's so vital. Uh, rather than just flicking and dipping and cannot be some concept, because what the word says is what the word means. And this is what's vital to your life. So verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. I was called that for years. Uh, good for nothing but to be drawn out and trampled underfoot by men. What is salt's purpose? Well, salt is, salt is the negative ingredient, if you like, if you read it uh, and study it. Salt is the negative ingredient what the world needs. Yeah. At the moment, do you know what we're giving the world? Sugar. Sugar. We're giving the world sugar. There's no talk here about that's what we've to give. Salt is a hidden ingredient, but it's a negative ingredient. Salt is what stops decay. It's what stops the rot. It stops deterioration. It stops uh, things from going out of date. It stops things... Uh, it, it causes things to preserve. It stops things from going bad. That's who we are. We are, as believers, have to stop things getting worse. I know, it's worth the admission money for that alone, isn't it? You have to stop things getting worse. That means, don't panic. Don't panic. Too many Christians worrying. Who by worry can add a cubit to the life? Uh, Christian bringing their worries to unbelievers is no salt. That's no stopping the rot at all. That's adding. How we live and how we operate. You know, God has... I remember reading about Francis Schaeffer. Uh, I can't remember the exact... I'll just paraphrase more or less what he says. Uh, and he says, that, he says that God has gave the world the authority to judge how believers live, especially as regards to one another. So how we live and what worry we bring. So at the moment, what we're seeing is, is we're seeing believers worrying and adding. They're not bringing salt. They're adding, yeah, there's the good stuff and the unity and the high-fiving and, well, maybe no high, high elbowing. Uh, we've got that. Uh, 
but there's also loads of believers worrying. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking about what? I'm not worried. Well, this is not my life. <laughs> this is not our world. We are no of this world. Uh, I'm not worried. We've got concerns, but no worry. We're, we're the salt of the earth. Why worry? Because I'm trying to add or preserve my, my old life or what I'm frightened of losing. That's why you worry. You're trying to hold on to things that you've no control over. That's what causes worry in the first place. But salt is to preserve things from going bad. Jesus says, we are to be that. We are to be the salt of the earth. It's no sugar. It's no all sweet. It's no all easy to digest. Let's make everything dead easy for people to digest. That's what we want to go with today. Especially today because it's more easy than now. The world at the moment is... Don't you think the world at the moment is very sugary? <laughs> I know it's. I know there's a bit of hysteria. No sugar. We've got that. We've got that. What's making us different? We are to stop moral decay. That's part of being a Christian. We have to stop moral decay. Not about physical decay. We're not just talking about moral decay. Is what we have to stop. The corruption that is engulfing the world. We have to. Stop that. That's what salt does. It stops that. However, too much salt, and it'll lose its power. So we have to do it well. So it's no a case of, oh, repent. No, 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 like that. That's, that's religion. That, that, that becomes nothing. That becomes good for nothing. <laughs> As the word says, because we're over playing it. Salt's an invisible ingredient that you, that you place into things. You don't even see it. I mean, how small is it? No, and there's plenty of it. It's a secret ingredient you put in that changes decay or stops the rot. Salt is a secret ingredient to be used in an anonymous way. You don't see it yet, it flavours everything the dead sea as we know the dead sea is dead you know why the dead sea is dead too much salt <laughs> too much so nothing lives in that sucker it's overwhelmed with salt it's stagnant because it's lifeless it's lifeless we can be too religiously salty and then we can be too sweet. We have to be seasoned with salt that, that people will see our difference. Our difference at this point. We are called to be salt. That secret ingredient that sets us apart for, for what? For what others can give. For what others can give. That's what we have to be. Yeah, they're practical things we'll give that the world can give, and that's fine. You know, I'm reluctant to say this, but if you know me, you'll know I'm not that reluctant. Uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of videos now, and he <sighs> churches have an aid, and it's, I, I don't know, I, I think there's, it's good and no good for me. 
You know, I, I just I, I don't see the difference between that for what the world can get. And I, I think that's okay. Uh, in a sense, and that's why this could be misconstrued and go, well, what's wrong with that? I can I can hear it. What's wrong with feeding people? What's wrong with getting Chick-fil-A sandwiches? Well, nothing I would say, but you understand what I'm saying, and it just becomes, what's the difference? What's the difference? It's, it's, just, an, it's just loads of sugar. It doesn't seem to be the same seasoned with salt that would set us apart that would make us somewhat different for the world is. Do you know what delights me though? Seeing the coming days and weeks of we maintain our faith, the world, will, the world will need that more than they'll need the other stuff. They will need it as they decay and rot more and their worries and their cares. They're going to need it more than ever. And we've got to be ready for that now and tomorrow and the next day before the world engulfs many of us. It's not a season to, people were saying, it's not a season to bang on, like, uh, it's not a season for that, no, it's not, and it's definitely not a season, it's not a season to be over-salty either. An over-salty evangelist. The world is coming in, but we're no, that's not helping, that's too salty. But we're not a sugarcoat either. We are the salt that stops the rot. We are the salt that preserves our faith. We are the salt that builds others' faith and stops that rot. We are the salt that gives believers the flavour and the aroma of Jesus in amongst this time. As we walk through our lives, that we have to be that for each other as well. There's never been a more important time than the word needs preached and now to congregations. I'm sure some of you are sitting here this morning saying, oh, thank goodness. Maybe not for me, but thank goodness for the word. I've so needed a leveler again. I've so needed to get away from sugar or worry and I've had to just get enough salt to remember my purpose. Brothers and sisters, you are the salt of the earth. Remember that. The truth is the there is a deadlier virus. Yeah, I know, I've said it, and there'll be loads of people going to say this, and I don't want to be cliched here. There is a deadlier virus than coronavirus. It's a virus we're all, we've all got, and it's a virus that we've all polluted the world with. It's called the virus of sin. And you know what? It's going to kill everybody. It's going to kill every single one is, and it's going to lead every single person to damnation forever. And we've all got it. And it's been highly contagious for the beginning of time. And we've all got it. But there's an antidote. There's no rocket science here. There's an antidote. And that antidote is only can be found in one man, and that man is Jesus Christ, and it's that's what we can provide. We can't provide anything else. We can give that. That is the salt we bring. That is the one ingredient that every human being needs to stop it all. I'm not looking for the Italian, honestly. The Italian national anthem. Really? The flower of Scotland? Really? Really? Is that brilliant? Uh, camaraderie. Good. Okay. Let's, let's understand it's camaraderie. 
Okay, let, let's get that. Okay, let's get that. We, there's a different song we should be singing. Sin is a virus that we are all infected and die by, but Jesus is the antidote that stops us rotting forever. That's why we must not allow the world to engulf us and we need to separate so that we can still be the salt. When the world engulfs us, we will lose our saltiness. We will have nothing to help people deal with the greatest killer of all, sin. It's still there. It still exists. It's no on hold. It's on, everyone's on hold in it? Oh no, it's on hold. But sin's on hold. They ain't waiting on nobody. We are no all just affected. We're all affected by sin, but we're not just affected by sin. We all contribute to it. So we need to stand apart as believers more than ever at this time. When so many are drawn to sameness. Here's one thing about salt. Last thing about salt as I move on here. Salt makes us thirsty. And that's also why we're salt. Because we want to make people thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's earlier on in the sermon. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. How will they hunger and thirst for righteousness if we don't season anything that we give them with salt? And it Nobody hungers and thirsts for righteousness with sugar. So we think we're giving it that. Why are they not hunger and thirst for righteousness? Because, because we're giving them sugar. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirsting for the word. Because that's what we bring. It's all we can bring at this point. You're not called as a believer to bring anything else, which brings me to verse 14. You are the light of the world, so you're the salt of the earth, and you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Salt is the hidden ingredient that stops the rot. Light is the open seen ingredient that gives life. John 1.4, if you remember back when we went through it as a church, but... If you weren't with us, here it's here. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. It is the light that shines, that transforms people. The life of Christ shone onto and into people's lives, and it brings life. I heard a sermon a, a long while ago about a torch, and the person was using the torch, you've maybe heard me talking about it if you've been with us, and uh, he says, what the problem is, is that we're shining the light in people's faces and we're blinding them by the light. That's a song in it. Uh, we're blinding them by the light and that's the problem. We have to have a torch. Where do you hear how far away this is? This is a high caliber mega church at the time, leader speaking to thousands, tens of thousands of people. And this is the message. Everybody was amen in it. Uh, and he says, what we have to do is we have to use the torch like that. Wait here as the scripture goes on where this goes. We're, we're shining the light too much. And you know what you realise? You're, like, you're getting it wrong. You're mixing up salt with light. It's salt that it's to be a secret ingredient. Light's to be shone brightly and boldly. You don't shine, you don't use the light like salt. Light's not a secret ingredient. Confused with salt and light. Why? 
Shamed of the gospel. Shamed of the gospel. And we're ashamed of the gospel, we turn light into sugar. <laughs> Does that make sense? It does to me. Hope it makes sense. Questions in a postcard. We turn light into sugar. Salt is the invisible ingredient. Light is the visible. We are no the light ourselves. We are not of the light, but we come to testify of the light. Light we are seen at the moment. We are seen lots of we charitable light. Do you know what that is? That's light for self. That's light from self, charitable light, light from self. However, we have a light that, and, and you know, I'll hear people saying that, what do you mean charitable light is a light of self? You know, you're a believer, you know exactly what I mean there. And you think, well, what's wrong with that? You know, that, that's all the arguments here. I, I can't silence him. <laughs> light from self, however, we have a light that is not of us. It's the light that shines in us because Christ is in us and working through us. That's a different light. The other will go dim. You remember the Duracell advert and it was the, it was the wee rabbit drumming and they ran out of batteries, eventually go dim. See all the aid and all the help and all the support. Watch what happens in the next few weeks. Watch what happens. More selfishness will kick in, less help will kick in because it's no real light. It's a wee bit of help. <laughs> and it's okay, and you will get the odd person in the odd group that's continue to do stuff, and that's good. But self will kick in. Selfishness will kick in if it's not already there, which it is. I've seen it in loads of so-called believers already. But there'll become a lack of true light because at the moment it's, it's no true light. True believers will be that light when all the lights start to get and it'll happen in areas. Why does our light shine? Because our light doesn't go out. No, as a true believer. We stay on. We need to keep that light on. We keep the oil burning and flowing. If we start to go off in one and start to shine the light in the wrong places, lose the light. It's not our job, let me just say this, it's not our job to start predicting outcomes. Okay? Give it a rest. Expert coronavirus Christian. That is not your job. I've already lost some of these at that point, I know. I'm, I'm, some of these love it. <laughs> the day. It's not our job. It's clearly here in the scripture what our job is. Salt and light. No light in that. Light in the word of God. Light in who Jesus is. Let the scientists be the scientists. Stop getting hijacked and putting your light in the wrong place. It's not our job to start predicting outcomes, becoming all political, all knowing. Just pray. And be the vessel that you've been called to be, that the word's called us to be, all knowing about the virus. Honest. I've wrote it here, I better not say it, but oh, I've said it. 
I was getting sicky Christians telling me about what, how they're expert virus, expert Christian stuff. <laughs> and then you're like, you might start being a Christian and start shining the light that you're supposed to be shining. Because that ain't helping. They've got millions of people that are talking about that. What are you called to do? Leave that to the scientists, the experts in the world. Our job is to be the light. You know, the world will hijack you with their problem. Christian, the world's going to hijack with your problem. You're going to take a sidestep. The world needs salt and light. They need something else. Everybody else is going to provide that. What can you provide? You're losing your identity. Our job is to be the light, one light, the light of Jesus. That is our field of expertise. Do you hear me? That is your field of expertise. I can see I know Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. That's what I provide. Well, let's have a debate about that. I'm like, Christian, stop it. You're getting hijacked. You're getting out alive with the world. That's the voice, lest we saw. That's the voice we see. Too many believers are losing their light by grabbing another light. This is your light. Just in case, it's, 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 no, it's no history viruses 101. It's this. This is the history viruses 101 that you need. This is the history of viruses 101 that you need to be talking about. Yeah, this is it. Okay, this, 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 this is the word. God is sovereign. God reigns over all. We know that. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And there will be Christians who will, and maybe this morning or the day or, or, or in different places, but they'll be sharing God's plan and omniscience and people are way more biblically astute than me be able to dissect scriptures with with what's happening in the world and we should listen to the guys and no so i'm not saying that that shouldn't be talked about but there are guys that can do that but then there's a then there's a simple pastor so they just get the just need to get the church moving and remembering who they are let's keep it simple and no get our wires crossed there eh? Some of these are getting way too many. You're getting your wires crossed that once you're having a power cut. I've no wrote that, but that's good. No. You're getting wires crossed that much that we don't know whether you're a Christian or whether you're a scientist virus expert. I thought you were a Christian. No, I'm a scientist virus. Really? Okay, thank you. That's not what the world needs at the moment. They may need that, but they can get it for the world. What can you give that only you can give? And if you can, if it's only you and us as believers that can give it, why we gain something else? As we get into next week, what are you gain? I'm going to bring this in. What are you gain? What are you gain as we leave here today? What, what can you give that only you can give? And no getting hijacked with all the other stuff. I'll tell you what we can give. We can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we bring that hope and bring that light regardless of circumstances. Brothers and sisters, that is my plea this morning. It's what you need to keep bringing to the world. Oh, tell your Christian brother to wrap it a bit and get back to the basics of what we're called to do regardless of what an opportunity we have. What an opportunity we have. Everybody's talking about one thing, we just talk about another thing. Bring it in. 
Be clever about it. Season it with salt. Of course, season it with salt. I have to put my hand up, toes up, and say, I've read too much. I've read too, hands up. I've read too much, I've seen too much, I've watched too many videos, I know too much about Wuhan and I know too much about everything. Hands up. I know too much that's no helping my call or yours. Let's get back to it. It's what we bring. I'll close with verse 15 and 16. As many of you know, I usually have a few closes. Verse 15. I mean, I've just said it, but wait you hear this. You couldn't make this up. You know the, the person I was telling you about shining the torch, don't shine it, put it here. Wait you hear this then. Nor do they light a lamp. Who? Who? Believers, us, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. That's under a seat. Blowing smoke up backsides. Nor do we put it under a basket. Do you know who puts the light under a basket? People are ashamed of the gospel. That's already. Let's not shine the light. Put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand. I, I, I don't have time to get into that. But and it gives light to what? It's great here. It's just to some. All. All who are in the house. First and foremost, love those, especially those in the household of faith. Our message has not a light wee pocket. So if we just end up using our Christianity debate, it's this time to debate certain things. We're really putting a light and putting it under a basket and lighting up a wee corner of the world. Our job is not to light up a wee corner of the world. Our job is to radiate Christ's love wherever we go and light the whole area up with that. But follows on for what I'm saying. Why have why have light shining in the wrong place based on your newfound obsession? Based on embracing the world? Do you understand? See, see, as you bring this in and you see that, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can actually see, I can see the sugary thing now. I, I, I can see it. I, I, I can see it's putting a lamp somewhere. I, I can see it. I, it's subtle, isn't it? The enemy's subtle. He ain't got the virus. Okay, just to let you know. I, I need to just say this. He ain't got the virus. He's still, he's still roaming. He's still seeking who he may devour at this point. Yeah. He can't create it, but he can definitely infiltrate it. But God's over it. And he's instructing us how to deal with it. You know, it's not a new deal. It's not a new, it's not, it's, we're not writing the new, there's no new scriptures getting wrong. We have the light shining in the wrong place. We're not only to illuminate a small section of the room, but the whole room. And I'll close with 16. Then it says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Wait here, this part. This is the, this is, this is the, this is the punch. This is the, this is the full stop. For what purpose? To glorify your Father in heaven. Purpose. To bring glory to God. Doesn't matter what we're doing. To bring glory to God. Not just unity a problem, but glory to God. That has to be our ultimate goal. Our works are to bring glory to the Father. Our purpose is not to unite the world together. It's to simply 
do deeds, be salt and light to the world. For what purpose? That we will all be praising the Father in heaven. That's what we bring as believers. They all will know him and trust him. It's not something we create as believers. Let's all get creative for now. Oh, it's time to get really creative, is it? No, it's just, there you go. Flicking dip. It's time to get creative. It's time to, it's t it's time to remember our purpose. We can all get creative and then put the light in a place that shouldn't be. Let's put the light. Oh, do you like the way that's shining there? Isn't that quite nice there, the way that's dimming there? And a wee bit of glow there in the light. No, put it in a lampstand. All this creativity is coming in spades. The church has been doing it for years and it'll get even better at it. We're no the creativity. We, we are the vessels of light that operate through him. We're not to create, we're to allow the creator to shine through us. Doesn't mean to say we should never be creative, you understand? Do we think it's going to end up winning people? Do you think that's going to win people? And he stood in the archway, and it's still there if you go and see it in Dundee, preaching the gospel to them with the plague in there. Why? Because he remains salt and light in a Self-preservation. He never. Other stories also. I read this today in one of the commentaries. Or yesterday. It was in John MacArthur's commentary and he talked about one of his heroes and certainly mine and I'm sure yours now is another Dundonian pastor, Robert Murray McShane. This is what it says about Robert Murray McShane who died at 29 as a young man, an amazing pastor and uh, loved people. This is what it says, and I'm just paraphrasing it. It says that people would often fall at their knees and to their knees and repent when they come into the presence of Robert Murray McShane because they would look at his radiant face and the holiness that he carried and they knew that he trusted Christ completely. That's salt and light. And it brought salvation we are the salt and the light, people. Let's remember that as the days and weeks pass. Welcome to the Hope United Church podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.